0: Hmm.
1: Recorded live. Well, hello, people. We beginning again with church. Um, this is the true friend, better known as Will of God. And of course, this is episode I don't even know. We ain't even gonna worry about that because we got something more important to talk about right now. Our children. The children of the day the children of them all, and the children of the future. What in the world? See, I'm a little bit disturbed. I'm a little bit shook. I'm in total shock, and I need to relieve my stress. So today on church, our topic is what is the difference between our kids from the past, our kids from the present, and the kids of the future? And why? And by all means, we would love for you, all of each and every one of you. I don't care if you're a minister, I don't care if you're a child, I don't care who you are, but your words need to be said because we're going to have church today. Dial that number 724 444 7444 and put the pin number in 143906 pound. Then you must push one pound and start eight to talk. But today we have in the building, <laughs> we have Minister Calvin Myers. And don't forget, tomorrow he goes in the word of fire. Oh, my Lord, you just don't know the presence of the Lord. is beautiful with my bag on ice. But today's another day. It's Monday, and it's a Day holiday. So I hope you all had a great cookout. You all bust a fat grub and go to L.A. for this tomorrow or maybe tonight. Somebody better work it out. But right now, we are going to work it out right now, Minister Calvin. How you doing? I'm doing
0: great, bro. How you doing, Dr. Will?
1: So I'm over here relaxing with the kids, watching the movie. Oh, my Lord, I'm just learning. I'm seeing things. It's really got me a little shook. I see these children out here and how their lifestyles is, and I don't want to go forward yet, so I'm going to let you proceed on. Amen, amen. First, I want to give a
0: shout-out to all our soldiers, those who are still with us in the land and delivering. And thank God for those who made the ultimate sacrifice of giving their lives. Uh, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friend. Truly those young men who have died in time past so that we can have a freedom of speech, that we can have this radio station this day in this time and hour of our lives. So we want to thank all of you who are veterans out there or if you have family who have served, I had an uncle who served and family members who served overseas in the military, Army, and Navy. So we thank God for all our men and women that we're so proud of who have served in the past and who have served uh, in the present and uh, on this great Memorial Day holiday uh, week. So it's the beginning of the week. We're into Monday, and uh, it's just exciting with that being said, we want to keep all of them in prayer. And every time you see a soldier, a man or a woman, let them know how much you appreciate them serving for your country. Uh, the Bible call them in the Old Testament, men of renown. A renown. Men of renown means great reputation. And so that is something that only God can bestow, bestow upon an individual is a great reputation. And when I read the book, At the Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, it says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and love and favor rather than silver and gold. And some of these people, God has showed them love and favor. He allowed them to go over there and brought them back safe and sound. So for those of you who are serving the Lord and you served in the military, uh, we want to thank you for your service again. But also I want to say to those of you, who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about God having an army too. And the Bible talks about there is an army of the Lord, that we're in the army of the Lord. We're in battle. So when you think about warfare and veterans and people who serve in the military, you can't help but think back into the old, old Testament. There's been a war that has been going on since eternity. This battle has begun in eternity, good
1: against evil,
0: light against darkness, righteousness against unrighteousness. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. And so this battle been going on way before we ever was born. And the scripture said in much that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence taketh it by force. And so we understand that when we read the word of God, they were men of renown back in those days who fought for the Lord. And let's take it a step further. There were angels in in eternity who fought for the Lord on behalf of humanity. And one of the angels we know, that's name is Michael. He's a warrior angel. He's a chief angel of a bunch of other angels. He's one of the head angels. He's going to take Lucifer one day and chain him and bind him up for 1,000 years. And when we look into the book of Daniel, we see that it was warfare that took place in heaven when Daniel, would, had to come down. Uh, Gabriel was coming down to deliver the message to Daniel, and the devil stood him up, which is the prince of Persia. They have high-ranking principalities. This prince of Persia had a high-ranking. Now, I know a lot of times we say it's the devil, and it could have been the devil, but it's one of his infants, if- It wasn't him a high-ranking one. They held up Gabriel. And Michael had to come down and open it up and loosen him up so he could come down and deliver the message to Daniel. And speaking of the spiritual warfare that took place on this Memorial Day, we're going into some deep, heavy things. And as my brother shared with me the topic, me and my finite mind couldn't understand where could we go at with this. But there is a God that set everything up and write things out according to his own counsel. So as God began to just put things in my spirit, he began to let me know that this is a memorial day, and it's always been a warfare that took place. We celebrate the freedom of this country, and we honor those who have fought for our country to be free. And so on this day, there is something even through the topic that we're about to go into, because this is a good one, folks. You do not want to tune out and miss this one. There is going to be some things we're going to bring out that you never even knew that was in the Bible that deals with the topic of children. And so God has put it in our spirit. He put it in will spirit to bring up the topic, and he put it in our spirit to give an answer. The Bible let us know to be able to give every man an answer according to the hope that lies within you. And so today I was reading about the Lord, about something else, God was blessing me so much in his word today. I love God's word, man. It's so awesome. God is a bad boy, man. He's bad. Even when he's thinking, he thinks his thoughts are good towards us. We cannot miss with a God like this. My God, we can't miss. But when I think about this warfare that took place in eternity on this Memorial Day, I think back. my mind go back to the first family. The warfare started in eternity, but it affected the first family of the earth. And all the things that you see that's happening right now, God did not intend for this to happen the way it happened right now. In fact, when sin got on the earth, it was one law before sin got on the earth. After sin got on the earth, God made ten laws. And one of the laws that he set in order was, children, obey your parents. And he tells them to honor their mother and father that their days may be long upon the earth. In eternity, our angel broke rank. His name was called Lucifer, whose name means light barrier. He became Satan, adversary, the devil, the dragon. And when he deceived Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin was birthed on the earth. Thus, creating sin on the earth, the first boy that was born was Cain. The second boy that was born was Abel. The first two, first the first offspring that came forth out of the womb of Eve, whose name means living of, or life, mother of all living, her name means life, was Cain first and then it was Abel. Well, Cain slew his brother. Now, you might say to yourself, how in the world could this be? How can a family that knew God, and walked around God and saw his satanic glory, produce murderer in their family. Listen to me, folks. Sin is real. It is just as real as you and I are today. It's real. And if we're not careful, and if we're not on our guard, you don't know who you're raising up in your family. Are you hearing me? These are praying times. So Cain was born. And God gave Cain and Abel uh, a task. He told them they were supposed to offer a sacrifice to God. And they believed that the sacrifice was supposed to be a lamb, symbolic of the Messiah, Yeshua, my, my Messiah, will be born one day unto the earth. And so when this took place, Abel offered up a lamb, it's believed. Cain offered up from the earth because he liked to sow into the earth and deal with vegetables. He was a sower. And when he gave God of the earth, we know that God cursed the earth because of sin was on the earth. He cursed the earth and told Adam, from the sweat of your eyebrows, you will work and earn everything. He said, cursed is the earth for your sake. Thorns and settles shall it bring forth. And let me take a, a quick few second pause right there. And let everybody know, if there's anyone else who would like to add in or just say something, feel free to just punch star eight, and you can come on in, and whatever you might want to share or add to that, if God laid on your heart, feel free, whoever you may be, it's open to you to say something. But I want to go back to this. When God cursed the earth, Cain offered to God the cursed earth. Whatever type of vegetable he submitted to God, it was rejected. God said to Cain, Cain, why is your conscience so falling? If you do well, would it not be accepted? In other words, go back and do it the right way. But if you don't do well, sin lies at the door, and it's waiting for you, Cain. In other words, it's setting you up. So Abel did that with his right, which is the lamb. God accepted it. Cain, he rejected it. So instead of Cain going back and doing it right, a rebellious spirit got on him. And this is the first time you will recognize a rebellious. Some spirit you know it by name. Some spirit you know it by action. And so what he did was he went and he killed his brother. Not only did he rebel, he was a murderer. Now listen, folks. The Bible said for stubbornness and rebelliousness is as the spirit of witchcraft. Are you hearing me? A lot of times people are trying to wonder why these kids are like this. This is a spirit of witchcraft that has came upon all kids. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you might be, what race you might be, or where you came from. When a child makes up their mind to rebel, they are operating in the spirit of witchcraft. And God got to come in and do something about it when that happens. Because when you're dealing with witchcraft, that's a dangerous spirit. Even when you deal with, like, if you say drugs or alcohol, all of that's falling underneath, you look up that that sorcery. And when you look up sorcery, sorcery is witchcraft. So you got to be careful. And you don't know what makes kids do what they do. Sometimes it could be the alcohol. Sometimes it could be the drugs and substance or whatever it might be. But the rebellious spirit operates that allows the spirit of witchcraft to operate among the youth of this hour. And the devil tell them, you don't have to listen to your mom and dad. That dumb old man or that crazy old lady, if it feels good to you, do it. And the devil said, everybody else is doing it. They're trying to control you or they're trying to hold you back. Don't this sound familiar? Doesn't it sound like the same conversation the serpent said to Eve? God, dude, know the day you eat of this thing. You're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. He's trying to hide something from you. He's trying to keep you back. You go on and eat this thing and see what happens. You're not going to die. And he tells these two the young kids, nothing's not going to happen to you. You try this alcohol. You go have sex before you get married. Have plenty of it. I mean, you do it till you can't do it no more. And then he failed to realize to tell them you're going to get pregnant. That boy ain't going to want to stay with you. You're going to deal with the same. That baby going to need pamper. That baby going to need nourishment. That baby going to need counseling. You're going to need help. You're going to need a babysitter. You're going to have to get a job. Your life is going to change. He don't tell you the aftermath. He just tells you if it feels good, do it. Oh, this is going to be a good one. So as we go into the word of God, we will see that God decided that he was going to do things in order. So we're going to fast forward a little bit into Genesis when we think about Genesis to a man called Abraham. God chose Abraham. He was a Chardinian. The history let us know that he called him out, and he told him he would make him a father of many nations. Hear me, people. Now, Abraham had a wife named Sarah. And in those days, they was allowed to marry their half-sister because they had different mothers. So he married Sarah, but she was barren. She could not have a child. And the Lord promised her that she would have a son. And when Sarah heard that the Lord said that to Abraham, she laughed within her heart and said, so I have a son. I'm 80-some years old. I'm past the flower of my age. You know, I'm past menopause. We ain't nothing going on in here. And God said, why did Sarah laugh? Because she was laughing behind the curtain that was like a veil. And the two men would sit on the other side of the veil. And she said, she shouted out, I didn't laugh. God said, you did laugh. For you laugh at his name should be called Isaac, which means laughter. And so Isaac was born, and Abraham trained his son Isaac up to be a mighty man of God. And as Isaac got older, he got married, he had a wife, and she couldn't bear kids, and then all of a sudden she was bearing twins, one named Esau, one named Jacob. Jacob. And Esau, Esau, whose name means hairy because he was a hairy man. He was a red-complexed man, but he was very hairy. Jacob, whose name means planner and trickster, two different characters. So God, again, was using Abraham to start a righteous generation. Well, the story goes on like this. Esau I wound up marrying a Gentile woman. For those of you who don't know what the word Gentile means, Gentile means anybody who is a non-Jew, you are a Gentile. Now, you don't want to be, like we said this before, the woman who didn't know what a Gentile was. The Bible said, for I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. This woman didn't know what the word Gentile meant. The pastor said, we are Gentile. And this one lady from our church, the black, not our church, but in the church said, I ain't no Gentile. The pastor said, do you know what a Gentile is? No, but I know I ain't no Gentile. So listen, y'all. A Gentile is anybody who is a non-Jew. If you African-American, you are a Gentile. Hello, because you are non-Jew. Now, what happened in this thing was Abraham produced Isaac. Isaac produced Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And he had sons who we got the 12 tribes of Israel from to this day. Levi, Simeon, Judah, all these boys were the part of Abraham's offspring, not Abraham, I'm sorry, Jacob's offspring. Abraham's seed down the line. And so out of that seed became what the angel changed Jacob's name to, which is Israel. And God told Abraham, he said, "No for surety." He showed him a vision and put him in a deep sleep. He said that your seed, your nation, that your offspring, is going to be in bondage for 400 years. And the nation that put them in bondage, I will judge them. But he also said this to them. He said, but afterwards, I'm going to bring them out with great substance. So God raised up a man named Moses, Moses who named me to draw out. His job is to draw Israel out of bondage. Follow me. This is where we're going at with this saying. Pharaoh told Moses, when Moses was telling him what thus said the Lord said and different plague was hidden, he said, I tell you what, you can leave. This is what he said to him one time. And you can go, you and your wives, but leave your little ones here with us. Pharaoh is symbolic of the devil. Egypt is symbolic of the world. The devil is saying, and the world is saying, you can go on and you serve God, but we want your children. Give us your children. And this is what brings us to this topic today that we're dealing with about the kids of the past and of the present, and of the future. So I want to read something to you that God has in his word, and I want you to hear real quickly what we got to say about this thing. Before I read the scripture, I just want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you work things out after your own counsel, of your own will. Lord, I pray that you remove moved by your spirit. bless every listener, every ear that hears the word of God, that seeds be sown into the hearts of men. Beat back every forces of darkness. Break strongholds in the name of Jesus. Break rich craft, demonic forces that will warfare against our mind and memory. Bring every wonder and mind in, Lord, and teach us and instruct us in your way, Lord. God, without you, we are nothing. Let us decrease and you increase. Don't let these lips of clay say anything that will not bring glory and honor unto you. I'm going to read something from the book of Proverbs one of the widest books in the Bible. This is one of the great books of wisdom. There are four books of wisdom, but this is one of the few books of wisdom because you got Psalm, you got the book of Job is a book of wisdom, Psalms is a book of wisdom, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and Ecclesiastic is a book of wisdom. So we're going to read this book of wisdom, uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 17. And let's listen to what it says. If you have your Bible, you can turn in there. If you got your iPad thing, like some of my boys like to do, ba-ba-ba, ba-ba-ba, my son do that too. Listen to what it says. Correct thy son, and he should give thee rest. Yes, he should give delight unto your soul. Correct your son, and he's going to give you rest. In other words, you got to deal with it. At the time, you may have to spank his butt. You may have to put him on punishment. But you have to correct your son so that he can give you rest. One of the things that brings a shame to a father if he have a rebellious son. And it's well known. Because, see, it's, it, folks, listen, there's different degrees and level of rebelliousness. Now, a son can rebel against his father, but it'll be private. And then there are times when kids rebel, son or daughter. Then there are times when kids can rebel against their parents, and it's well-known, everybody know it. The, com- the block know it, the community know it, the whole Philadelphia know it, and it gets real heavy, the whole world know it. We've all read and seen on the news when kids have grown up and been rebellious and brought shame to their parents. And their parents might have been people of great stature of the earth, but that child grew up to bring a great deal of shame by what they did. And so no parents say that I want a child who would never listen to me and just bring shame to our whole name. Let me tell you about a football player. One of the football players said his dad said to him, "Do Stanley, the running back, Do Stanley said his dad told him, boy, you carrying our last name. Don't you mess our last name up. <laughs> you make our last name make it proud of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we don't understand when you carrying your father's name, it's not just about you. You represent your family. You're representing your family, whether if you are a basketball player, football player, if you're into politics, if you get a job, if you are an inventor, whatever you may be, a singer, hello, whatever, a pastor, a minister, a engineer, a doctor, a lawyer. You're carrying your father's last name. That's not your last name. That name came down through generations. And so you want to have a name that people, when they see you, they recognize you. The Roman soldiers saw that in Christ when he died. They said, surely this is the son of God. You're talking about a Roman who served 400 and some different types of gods, man. But he knew the character of God, what it was like. So when he saw Jesus, Jesus said, my father worketh, and hereunto I worketh too. He did the works of his father. He said, what I see my father do, I do also. Listen, young people, when people see you, they should see a resemblance of your father in you in the right way. Now, if you have a father who has bad characteristics, you don't want to learn that, but you want to take the good attributes from your father. And utilize those because I don't care how evil or bad a man may be as a father, there is some good things about him. Remember, he got the ability to be good or evil. So you need to find out what was it that was good about your father. And you follow those traits and you walk in those traits and see what God would do for you in your life. But Jesus imitated his father in every width and every way. God was so proud of Jesus that when he was baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You see, God was excited for what his son was doing. He was bragging on him. Now, there are fathers in the Bible who were the same with what some of his sons did. David had a son named Absalom. He tried to kill David and the whole kingdom that was with David. So we don't want no Absalons in our sons. We want them to be like, Solomon and David, we want them to love God and walk before God the right way and honor God. So here I'm going to read another verse to you. But before I read that, I want to send out a question. Is there anyone else who want to say anything? Or if you want to speak, again, just put star eight, and you can come on in and share whatever's on your heart. Amen? So now let's go a little bit further into this rabbit hole. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11. Listen to what it says here. It says, there is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes. They're always right. They're never wrong. They got here yesterday, and they know everything about tomorrow. And yet, listen. There's a generation that is right in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness, filthiness,
1: uncleanness.
0: There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. In other words, the lust of the eyes on it. And their eyelids are lifted up. The lust of the eye, the pride of life. There is a generation whose teeth are at sword. And their jaw teeth as knives, to devour the poor from the earth, and the needy from among men. They'll cut you down with their words. One of the things the Bible talks about is backbiting, slander, gossiping, whisper that separate the teeth of friends. So it talks about people who mouth and their teeth is like knives. Think about this. There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor. They don't care about the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. They don't care about nobody or nothing. These are the generation that is rising up. In fact, when you look at the book of Revelation, Revelation teaches us that there is people, when God would bring the plague on the earth inside of the tribulation period, that they would shake their fists up at God and their heart would be so hardened that they refuse to change. That generation is coming. And by that generation coming, folks, we want to make sure that our children make it into heaven. Amen. I want all my kids to be in heaven with me. I don't want none of my kids to be lost. I want them to serve God in spirit and in truth. I want them to know the God of their fathers. So when you deal with children, children. The Bible tells us is an inheritance of the Lord. Where do kids come from? The Lord sent these children. These children belong to the Lord. And when he gives them to us as humans, the Bible tells us the fathers are the glory of the children. The fathers are the glory of the children. Isn't that interesting? It lets us know that as fathers, we got to be there in their lives. Because we don't want the kids to grow up without a father. The mothers have done so much. They've always been over, gone above and beyond to raise our babies. But kids need fathers in their lives. That is the glory of the children. They get excited about their dad. You ask yourself the question, when you come home, do your kids run to you or do they run from you when you come home? That's the question that you got to ask yourself. Are you making an impact on your children as a father? In most cases, we got kids who don't know what it is to have a father. A father is one of authority, the voice of authority. He represents authority. I'll never forget it was a song by Donnie McClurkin. Donnie McClurkin sung his song, but before he sung the song, he said it was a fight going on, and he got into a fight with a boy. And his mother called his dad. And the only thing your father did was walk to the door and stuck his head out the door. And when those kids seen Donovan Clerk and Dad, everybody broke it up. That was it. His presence represented authority. And I think and I truly know that in this day and hour, what has happened to our generation, they have not seen true men of God who love the Lord with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul. They haven't seen that. And that is something that God has to bring us back to where people can see the men of God again. When they see that, they can understand that God called men of authority. And when God called you to authority, listen, men, it's not about your ability. It's not about your skills. It's not about your gifts, but it has everything to do with your character. God said in his word. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glories, glories in this, that he understandeth me, the Lord. And God said when he understand me, the Lord, that I execute in loving kindness in justice, in judgment, and in righteousness. He wants us to understand who he is. That's what we can glory in, in understanding who God is. And knowing that we understand who God is, that he exercises in righteousness and love and kindness and mercy, he exercises in judgment, he exercises also in and righteousness. But if we're gonna boast, God say, boast in those things. Know me first. Seek the Lord with all your heart. You learn about me, understand who I am. You can boast in that, knowing who God is. The Bible said, and they that know their God to do great exploit, because we know him. And then the scripture tell us they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So we have a testimony in knowing who God is. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. And so this is what we feel in as a man, as a father to our children. If there's a void in the earth, God always has an answer for a question. One of the things that you read about Jesus when you learn about him is that he always had an answer for everybody's question. And those who try to trick him and get him stoned, the way he would answer them, if they answered his question, they would have gotten stoned. And so we learned that God always had an answer. Now the scripture tells us be able to give every man an answer according to the hope that lies within us. Do we know everything? No, we don't. But the Bible tells us to strive. The Bible said. And every man or woman that strives for mastery is not crowned, except they strive lawfully. There is a way to strive in God's counsel, in his wisdom, in his knowledge, in his understanding, in his anointing that surpasses all understanding, that the saccharine glory of God will give you an answer to answer every man right where he's at. It's not in much words a long conversation, but it's in that moment, the essence of the right word at the right time. We call it a rhema word to the spirit of people. And when you speak into the hearts of people, people hear the word of God. And the Bible says, it's not your word. The words that I'm sharing with you, they're not my words. The Bible said, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. Glory to God. So the more we know who God is and who his word says who he is, God is awesome, y'all. We serve an awesome daddy, the big-breasted one. He loves us. He said, what loving kindness have I drawn you unto me? And as men, we have to be that father for our sons. We have to be that father for our daughters. We have to be that father at time or male present figure for the kid that's up the street or for the young lady that's up the street. Your wisdom should be like a giant tree full of fruits that people could come and pluck off the fruit off of your tree. That if somebody walking down the street, a young lady could say, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. Johnson, can I ask you a question, please? I don't have a dad. or I never knew my dad, but can I ask you a question? How do I know when I'm in love or what should I do to date someone? Should I date them or should I talk with them over the phone first? What's the, people should honor you and respect you to the point that they call on you and pull on you in those type of ways, huh? Because there are things that you got in you. It's something that people see about you as a godly man, as a godly woman, that people admire about you. They love your smile. You light up the room when you walk in there with your smile. People adore you because of who you are as a person, they love you. And listen, folks, for all those people that you think can't change, you better hush your mouth. God is changing people. And when God changes that woman, and when God changes that man, or when God changes that young woman, or when God changes that young man, let them be changed. Don't keep taking them back to what they used to be that's negative. Never do that. Yeah, but I remember when she was just one that was selling her body, girl. Yeah, but I remember when the boy was scheming people and getting over people. I don't trust boy. Listen, let me tell you something. You got to be careful when you start putting your mouth on people when God cleaned them up. Let me give you a story about Peter. He's on the roof. God shows him a vision. It comes to him as unclean insects. And the Spirit of the Lord told Peter, Peter, arise, get up, and eat it in a vision. And Peter's response was, "I never ate nothing unclean and uncommon." God rebuked him. But I've cleansed. Don't you call unclean and uncommon? So God take that personal, because now you're telling God your blood didn't clean this person. So I'm still going to judge them as what they used to be. You don't want to do that. But the Bible says, "Who can lay anything to God's elect?" Or charge anything to those who God has tamed to the elect of God. We can't judge them. God called them out. One of the things that I love about this Monday night, uh, evening rather, radio station is called the church radio station. Folks, I said this before that word church means the called out one. The called out one. Are you that one of the called out ones that God called you out? Because once he called you out, he uses you. Never take somebody back to where God is calling them out from. You don't want to do that. Listen, I tell men this all the time. Don't you ever let nobody send you back to the sheep when God has anointed you to kill bears and lions and giants. David was called to kill a. He was anointed, and his anointing enabled him to kill a bear, to kill a lion to kill Goliath, and here is his oldest brother telling him to go back to those sheep and watch those sheep. Folks, let me tell you something. Don't you let nobody send you back to watch no sheep when God is raising you up to kill the giant. Some of you are giant killers, and I'm not talking about it in a physical form like David did, but symbolically, in a spiritual way, God is calling you to kill giants. Are you hearing me? So when you're called to kill a giant,
2: <clears throat>
0: you kill a giant. You are like a savior for your family, whether you male or female. God used women to do great things. I'm telling you, he used these ladies to do some incredible things. I wouldn't be where I'm at, folks, if it wasn't for women who spoke into my life, who gave me opportunities. Who believed in me, who pushed me, who prayed for me, who prayed with me, who taught me. Are oh, you hear me, godly women? Let's not get it twisted. God has always used the women. They are mighty and powerful. When you see great men, you got to know it was a great woman that was behind that man's life that inspired him. <laughs> You'll be a fool if you don't think that. So it was great women who spoke into my life into my heart and encouraged me when I was discouraged. They were there, and they had discernment and insight, and God used them to speak into my life, and I thank God, I love them so much and appreciate them so much. Some had passed on and went home to be with the Lord, but I never forgot what they taught me, I never forgot it. And so it enables me to share with you. So now we see that God is a God that is not a respectable person, but he is respectable of the principles. And so when you see young people who are straddling the fence and going through different challenges in their lives, we have to look at the idea that it's a void that is there. There is a void there. And somehow we have to fix that void. Now, God enables us and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And when he gives us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit enable us to do things to fix the void. That's the oil that God put inside of our hearts. And so these are the things that God uses men for and women to. But the generation that is coming now, some of these people that you see and you cannot understand why they are the way they are, it's a spiritual warfare that is taking place. For some of these kids, they never really saw a godly man or woman in their life who demonstrated and walked in the way that God has chosen them to be. You see, this is the thing that God wants to do with us. He wants to clean us up and make us people for his instrument that he can use for his glory. This is what he wants to do because he's not giving up on nobody. Even Cain, when God judged him for killing Abel, he put a mark on Cain that nobody would kill Cain. God execute mercy. He execute mercy. So the young generation that we're dealing with right now, there was a generation in the past who would say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and they would obey. And then there came a generation that was in the 50s that was wearing those tight jeans. And they were doing a rock and roll. And they began to rebel and pull away from the things of old. Have you ever read in the Bible when it said, And there raised up a generation that knew not the God of their fathers? When you read the book in Judges, I encourage all of you to read the book of Judges. Joshua was like the last great judge around to judge them. And as he was leaving the earth, he was getting older. And he told them that they still had much more land to conquer, to take control of. But he told them to choose this day who they would serve. And he gave them an ultimatum to make a decision about the God that they would serve of their fathers. And one of the interesting things was, you got to remember, Joshua brought the young generation out of Egypt into the promised land. Let me rephrase that. Moses brought the older generation out, but Joshua carried the younger generation into the promised land. Folks, this is heavy. The only people that went into the promised land 40 years to get to the promised land, the promised land was only two weeks away. The traveling expansion time was two weeks' journey. They stayed in a wilderness for 40 years, the older generation, and they wandered around, and they died. They saw all the great works of God. They saw the plagues at the pledge. They saw the walls of the sea open up and the water roll back with two walls on each side, and they walked through on dry ground. Powerful testimony. God led them by cloud, by day, and fire by night. When it got dark, he was the fire by night. The Bible said the Lord our God is a consuming fire. The word of God let us know not just he's a fire, he put fire on us. The Bible said who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. And Psalms 104 talks about that. So what God did was he brought them out with that great, mighty word. But because they kept mumbling and grumbling and complaining. They complained against Moses. They complained about the food. They all said, oh, we can have that garlic from Egypt. We missed the smell of that garlic, good old garlic, and they missed that garlic. But God had to judge them in the wilderness, and they died in the wilderness. Even my buddy Moses died because he hit the rock two times and did not honor God in the presence of the people. But people, let me tell you something. God still had a plan when he took Joshua through the wilderness he took them inside of there through Joshua, the great leaders. All the young people that went in there were 20 years old and younger. They're in their 20s. They're going into a promised land where they are giants. Listen, man. They went into a land to conquer giants, the young people, the older people. God sent 12 spies in there. Two came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. The other ten were scared. They said they're giants, and we look like grasshopper in their eyes. But they brought back a bushel of grape. a bushel of grapes. The bushel of grape took two men to carry it. That's how big it was. One of the grapes was the size of a watermelon. Are you hearing me? That's how big these grapes were, can you imagine a land, they say, flowing with milk and honey? God promised it to them, and 10 men got scared and chickened out. Only two came with a good report. That was Joshua and Caleb. Who were going to the promised land? Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> if you believe God can do it for you, he will make you a giant killer. David had that instant. He was a giant killer. He knew the God of his salvation. He knew the God of his Father. In the God said he was a man after His own heart. Listen, we got to teach our kids and this younger generation to know who they are. It's more than just technology. Thank God for technology. You can do a lot with it, but technology is not what makes us who we are. It's not the blank bling that we get and the cars we drive or the shoes we obtain or how beautiful and handsome or cute we look in the mirror. That's not who we are. It's who we are within our spirit. The Bible said what comes out of a man is what defiles a man, not what he eats within himself, and it goes through the drought. What is it that's in your spirit? Because the Bible said your spirit is your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What is it that's in your spirit that's not being unlocked, unchanged, released that you're sitting on? What is it that God want to do in you in this hour to bring a lot of young people to himself? You see, God like bragging on young people. Let me say that again. God like bragging on young people. He calls people when they're younger. They may not respond to, they get older, but he calls them when they're younger. Samuel was called young. When God called Samuel, Samuel, his name means acts of God or a quiet of God. He called him and began to talk to Samuel. God talked so much to Samuel that the Bible said that he can hear God audibly. The same way you hear me, that's how Samuel heard God. And the Bible said that God didn't let none of His words fall to the ground. Let me tell you something: if you are young, you're special to God because He got a lot of knowledge on you. You're like a Porsche, a brand new Mercedes Benz, a brand new Lexus, a brand new land Rover. It's not the car, it's the person. You are the greatest investment that God ever created, and I always tell people when you sow. And make time for young people's lives or older people's lives. The greatest investment you can ever make is an investment inside someone's life. Because when you do that, it is well pleased with the Lord. So I just want to let everybody know that God has a plan for you and that he wants to use you. Now, the question you got to ask yourself, are you ready to be used by God? You don't want to be those who fall by the wayside. So God has a plan for you, and he wants to do something in your heart. Now, is there anyone who would like to say something or just continue to talk? Because I know I've been talking for a minute now. If anybody want to say anything, Will, if you want to say something, feel free. Let's do a little commercial break or what have you. But there's a lot more that we just want to share with everybody. But we just wondering, is there anyone else who has something that's on their heart?
1: Well, by all means, people, uh you already know this is Sound City Radio. And all I'm about is freedom of speech, freedom to grow, freedom to learn and know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I like for y'all to be real, be safe. And always be ready. And all you have to do is dial this number, 724-444-7444. Put the pin number in, one four three pounds Then you push one pound and star eight to talk. All you got to do is push star eight. Because I'm looking at these children of today like, wow, they're a little bit different. Back when I was growing up, courting was a big thing. Um... The girls wouldn't walk around showing their cleavage as much as they do now. They don't they respect their parents. Nowadays, the kids are so crazy, they do deranged things. The girls now, they are more assertive than the guys. Matter of fact, they're trying to get one-night stands. They're trying to get the quickie. Back in the day, the brothers were trying to get the quickie. Nowadays, the girls, when they do pictures, they stick their daggone tongues out. What is that? You really telling the brothers out there that you want to, you know, go down on them, literally, when they dance? They don't just regular dance. They bend over so that the young brothers will look at them and see their butt shaking so they can, you know, get there. That's their way of getting their attention. Bend your butt over, shake it, and it's getting really out of control. Then you got the children that don't want to listen to their parents, and then you got the kids that feel as though they want to roll on old heads. And that's a new one for the summer. Young bucks is going around just saying, "Hey, you know what? Let me just go roll on a dad going on here." And if y'all don't see what's about to happen, this world is coming a nuclear bomb, ready to blow at any minute. But I like to hear what y'all got to say. I mean, if anybody sees some things from the past, or they see some things in the present, because our future for our children is either they're gonna be locked up, locked up. In war, shooting, trying to kill somebody, or deranged. It looks like we have a caller. Hey, welcome to church. (laughs) Hey, how y'all doing? Oh, my gosh. Is that who I think it is? This is Aaron Williams. Yes, I knew it. That's him, I knew it, see. Hey, we got we got a boy, people. We got a treat now. See, not only you got a minister, a guy who actually started the first daggone show at church, but this boy got an album out. And after he finished talking, he better, literally, better tell anybody about that daggone album 'cause album. Because look, it's a blessing. But yeah, go ahead, brother. Yeah, I was I was glad you was cutting
2: this short because the more you talked, the more I was forgetting. But... <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I, I I definitely agree with Minister Myers about, you know, um, purpose and what God purpose for our kids. When I when I realized I, I was I was I was growing up, I was raised by my grandparents um, because of some things that was happening in my house. But I was I was not one of the aunts. I was not one of the parents' siblings. I was I was grandchild. So all of my siblings, all my aunts and my uncle's children that was growing up were raised different. You know, I've heard the argument, um, I'm not going to raise my kids that strict because, you know, grandma and grandpa, you know, old school, they ain't play. You know, certain things did not happen in the house. And and, and then back in the day, it, it was um, a little bit more um, restricted because you could, if, if grandma and grandpa – restricted you to your room, what you looked on the TV was at least to some extent wholesome. You know, now if kids with the with the smartphones, with the access to the, the world wide web, with even network television, you know, um you, you find scarcely clad women, you know, um, all kinds of craziness, all kinds of illicit sex and as each, each generation gets younger, you know, it's because the things that we're trying to restrict them from, by the time they come to the point of awareness, they've already been exposed and, to say, initiated into the doctrine of flesh and to the, the desires that some of us didn't experience, didn't even think, at least till our teens, at least. Now we are getting up. Now we're getting exposed to it. Our children are being exposed to it. We're trying to protect them, you know. And they they go to school. They get a phone. Once 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 they get a phone, they got internet access. It, it, it unless you've laid a foundation, it's it's it, it's a it's a wrap because everything you see is sex. Sex to sell cars. Sex to sell a hamburger. Sex, sex to sell a book. It it they're inundated on every side with things that are against the will of God, against purpose, because they, they are things that drive the natural order. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get them exposed to what they want naturally, that it will be rather, I would say, difficult at times. If you don't, if you don't have any self, I don't want to say self-awareness, I don't want to say self-respect. Um, you know, and, and have been told, you know, what to look out for and, and have some kind of worth in yourself, you'll most more than likely fall victim and prey to the things that everybody is doing because it seems like everybody is doing it. And it's not it's not true, it's a lie, but with when you look on T V, it's on. Unless you're looking at public T V, you look at any network, it's on. You know, it's certain lifestyles that are being pushed on every network. I don't care what you look at. You know, men kissing men, women kissing women. Everywhere you look at it, I was looking at a movie and the coming tractions of the movie. This was in the future, 2075 or something. And the aliens, they were aliens, and the aliens were men with men. I was like, this is crazy. So, I mean, our children, the things that we had – We had, you know, our circle was small. If we stayed in the house, mom told us to stay in the house, dad told us to stay in the house, we wouldn't get exposed to certain things. You know, certain things on the block. You know, I heard Calvin say, you know, people carry your name. So if it was certain things that your mom and dad was about, neighbors back in the day, if they seen you out of character, out of the character of the name of the house, hey, Deacon Williams' son, you know you ain't supposed to be doing that. They would speak up. Now you got people, parents, adults that say, oh, you want to get high? Come on in my house. You you ain't got to worry about it. I ain't going to tell on you. You know, in my house you can do what you want. You know, we had a house like that coming up where you could, if you wanted to do whatever you wanted, as long as you gave the woman of the house some of what you had, you could do anything you had, any drug you wanted, any hide you wanted, you could do it in the house. You know, and it, that, I believe that that's the, That's the dilemma for today's children and for future children. They're exposed 24 hours a day to things that we, my generation, didn't really get to see that much unless you snuck it, unless somebody had some magazine or something in the house that was, and you found it. You wouldn't find it everywhere, but everywhere they go, it's It's there. Your know, violence is everywhere you go. You, you look on YouTube. You look on Facebook. You know all you got is your know, uh, plus the world star. You know, all you see is these videos of people beating people up, and people just sitting there watching. You know, and it's becoming commonplace where this lifestyle, where this do what I want to do, is the way that the world is. So when pe- when children get that, and plus their own natural point to rebel. Now you have a double whammy of something that's pushing you. you. know, Before it was just your own natural affection. It was your own lust. But now you have things that's multiplying and magnifying what's in you, and then you look around for some support other than what your mom and dad is saying, and everything else points to what you're seeing on TV, what you're hearing on the radio, what you're hearing in the songs, in the rap. What so we have to cover our children with prayer. We have to create a foundation of truth, of character, of self-respect, of self-discipline, you know, and me knowing having the experience on the other side with my children from the things that I didn't do. It it wasn't until the Lord encouraged my heart not to recriminate, you know, because I was walking around with a cloud of rain with some of the things that have happened to my family and to my children and the relationships that we had. But, even looking in the Bible, God placed man, Adam and Eve, in a perfect environment. Perfection. Garden of Eden was everything. God looked at everything and said, good. And they still did the wrong thing. So we have to pray for our children, be the best example we can, fill them with the word, keep giving them the word, keep giving them the best example, and trust and believe that what God said when they get older they won't depart because there there's a cognizant knowledge that kids grow into. Some things they won't see. They can't see because they haven't experienced. But it's, it's a scientific fact that men don't really begin to cognitively become aware and use that part of their brain till they're at least 25. You know, so... You know, so that I won't talk a lot, but, you know, that's why they say when kids are from the, from the age of 1 to 5, you know, they think, they, they, you know, 1 to 8, they think their parents know everything. They think dad's a genius from from 8 to 12, you know, a little bit. From 13 to 21, you don't know nothing. Then about from 21 to 25, they say, well, mom and dad was pretty smart. But from 25 on, he's like, my goodness, my parents was geniuses. If you've been telling them right because they begin to see what you're saying through their experience on their own, they begin to become cognitively aware that what you laid and the truth that you gave them is real truth. And then that's when they usually start coming back towards the things that you taught them because they now, the, the understanding of what you said, plus their own experience begins to gel in them cognitively and they see that you really love them. So that's my piece on that. You know, I, I, I do, coming come from the middle, you know, where I was too young to be a part of the, the aunts and uncles, and I was too old because I was 10 years older than all my cousins and siblings. So I was in the middle. So I always asked a lot of questions. Why? Why is this like this? Why is this like that? Why is this like this? Why am I like this? And, and the Lord filled a lot of those questions as I got older. Because I used to sit and just listen. And I don't that don't mean I, I, I did the right thing. Even even with the understanding. But, you know, um I I really believe that. You know, and then as as our parents got younger, you know, and they still wanted to do what they were doing, you know, kids see that. So the younger the kids see it, the sooner they wanna do it, they say, Well, I can't wait. Until I'm such and such age, they say, oh, you think you grown, so they, they stop doing it. They don't do it in front of the house, but as soon as they free, as soon as mom and dad turn their back, they going to do the things that they fringe and that they see everybody else do.
1: So. Wow. See, people, I don't know if y'all really, but that's why we call it church. I mean, we really getting some edification. we getting some almond (laughs) joys. I don't know if y'all eat candy, but this is some good old-fashioned candy. (laughs) want to eat? (laughs) Shoot, I'm going to tell you. And I definitely want y'all to push Star 8. If there's anybody else out there that'll love to push Star 8, by all means, man, like, do it. I like that there's no... Person bigger, nobody better, nobody smaller, nobody greater than God. But look, but I'm just saying, everybody needs to talk because somebody might have something to say that might be enriching. I don't care if you think you crazy, you better say something because I know you got some children. You be around some children. It takes a village, a nation, or something to raise up a child. Because these children right here, the lost their mind. I remember when I was a child, I was as I don't know what. And guess what? I still am now, but I ain't crazy as these kids is. Shoot, I knew a daggone spanker woke me, behind man, I was way up. Uh-uh. Because I ain't want to receive it anymore. These kids know they ain't got nothing to receive because they ain't going to get it. They know they parents as children. They know for a fact that the on law is going to protect them. And they know. They don't have to even read the word anymore. They're getting that thing in the daggone schools talking about. Nope, we're not allowed to pray, nah. But we're gonna learn some type of other ministry called satanic rituals after school. Hey, how about that? We allowed to do that one. Y'all people don't get it. And the worst part about it is they got this new thing coming out called artificial intelligence in the games. I just saw it on the daggone TV. They're making these new games where they're putting the spirits, I mean demonic spirits, inside of the games. Now, I forgot exactly how it went, but basically the the creators who actually made the games, you know, they worship the devil and all this other stuff, but they're using not only authentic music and probably authentic prayers to make it real life-like. If they say they want to make a game life-like, they mean it. So when you see the daggone uh game or the or the or the creature or the demonic, whatever it may be, that you're playing on that daggone new game, which is being uh how you say, brought to life in front of your eyes. Like let's think about it for a moment. When you I keep saying it all the time, when you watch the news, do you like to, do you like to watch the news when it's just all good stuff on there? Like everything is all great? Or do you like to see somebody die, see somebody get shot, somebody get hurt? Or do you feel as though that wasn't news because you didn't see it? See, we've been trained, y'all. Now look at the biggest picture. Our children. When they play these games, when they listen to certain music, when they sit up there and don't know what the heck is going on, if they got to the point where we're not allowed to walk around with the Bible anymore, nobody can sit up there and... Say anything of the Lord anymore? What do you think our world is going to turn into? I mean, like, let's think about it, y'all. If you had a whole bunch of dirt on you, how would you get it off if you had no water? Use alcohol? What you gonna do with your eyes? Well, I mean, what happens when the alcohol runs out? Well, uh, come on, like, y'all, y'all, y'all ain't understanding what's real, and what's real is the devil is a liar. God is the truth. they got these new commercials, and if you ain't seen it yet, <laughs> they got a commercial where they're showing the people's crack of they behind. <laughs> now, I don't know if y'all ready for it, but if they're showing the crack of they behind now, and they're showing cleavages all over the place later, and then you got these guys going on proms, like I know it's on Facebook, two guys going on the proms and they just kissing each other. That freaked me out. I said, wait a minute. Now, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I got to you know, my children's going up to be going to that atmosphere of proms, and if I have to be a chaperone, I might not want to be one because I won't be to I won't be, I won't be able to handle seeing guy, 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 and go, 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 and then it just happened to be somebody coming in there that happened to be a boy and a girl, and they're like, oh, my God, y'all different. Y'all look at y'all. Y'all, a boy, girl. That's. You know what? Y'all stupid. You just want to be with a boy and a boy, and you want you to be with a girl and a girl. Y'all are just, y'all retarded. And we're looking like, excuse me? So, please, by all means, put story. But before we go there, I got Minister Calvin in, but I want Minister Aaron Williams to tell everybody about his song, if he's still there, If Aaron had to go somewhere.
3: Okay, perfect.
1: <laughs> well, let's move forward then. Men, um, check them out. um and Williams got, a move, I, I got an album out called um, uh, Rin Your Heart. <laughs> you know, I'm losing my mind right now because I keep on thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow with these children because day by day, it's going to come to the summertime. And when it gets hot, kids get crazy, and so do we. But back to Minnesota, Calvin. Let's have church. And I just want to say to everybody that's out there,
0: just remember God started dealing with you when you are a young person. Uh, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you, what type of home you've grown up inside of, no matter what people have perceived you are, uh, uh, who you are, um, no matter what people may say about your family, you're special to God. And you got to understand that he cares about you a whole lot. And he calls us when we are young. And uh,
1: he has a plan for us.
0: And and in that plan, he has a purpose in that plan. It doesn't matter where you came from, but it's got everything to do with what you're going at. And And I know a lot of friends that had problems growing up who didn't have everything, but God had a plan for their life. Their future is brighter than ever before I mean, man, when you look at what God has done in their life for them right now, you would never believe they struggled that bad or it was that bad when they was younger. Listen, folks, it's not how you start off. It's how you finish. And you got to start today to make a change in your life as an adult or mid-age or a young person. that cares about you. There's somewhere in your life that you're going to be able to speak into other people's lives. And we can't close ourselves or wrap ourselves up in so much of what we have makes us who we are. That is a lie from Satan. It's what's already in you. God already planned things in you. You was born with a gift. The car don't make you who you are. The money don't make you who you are. The family name that has a great name doesn't make you who you are. It's what God put in you when you was born. He made you in his image and in his likeness. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and have dominion over the earth. He put destiny in you, purpose in you, ideals in you. It's all what's in you. There's not a price tag in this world. I feel sorry for the man or any woman who think their millions is what makes them important. That doesn't. Because you know why it doesn't? When you die, you leave that money right here. (laughs) That money stays right here for the next generation to take it and spend it up. And in the word of God, it said, you don't know if the person is going to take over what you built up is going to be a wise person or a fool. Listen, (laughs) it's a thing that we call legacy. What would be your legacy? Would you be a fool as a legacy? You see, he made a lot of money, but he was the dumbest person we ever saw on this earth. He was a fool. Knew how to make money, but he was a big fool. I mean, he put the capital in fool. You don't want that to be you. You want to be what God has made you. The bigger than that. The Bible says God has put eternity in our hearts. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellency and the power might be of God and not of us. Demons envy you as a person. They envy you because there's no reconciliation for demonic forces. They can't just There is no demon saying, I'm waiting for my salvation to come. No, that salvation is not coming to the demonic world. (laughs) They're done, Okay. So if any young person you see, that's why you don't give up or quit on them. They might be indulging in uh, activities, not golly, but we don't quit on them. The same way we had to grow and learn, they're going to have to grow and learn. But what we pray is, God, keep your hand upon them. I know, Lord, that they think they got the answer to everything, and they're going through a crisis in their life. But, Lord, just watch over them. Let your favor cover them, Lord. Let your promises be unto their lives. The same grace that you bestowed upon me, let it be bestowed upon them, O Lord. You pray for your children that way, your nieces, your nephews, your cousins, and all the rest of your families and your siblings. And you watch God change them because we all didn't always have it together. None of us did. But if we watch as well as pray for one another, God will bring them through it. Somebody prayed for you because God loves you, and I want you to hear something, just a little bit of this song right here that you can just hear about commission, and this song called More Than You'll Ever Know, How Much God Really Loves You. Just listen to this song. I think i could I see He's been afraid to Jesus. Oh, man, he's a to me. he to Yes, he'll love you more than you will ever know. He'll never give up on you. He'll never quit on you, because you are the apple of God's eye. You gotta understand who you are. The Bible said, "If he spared his own son, spared not his own son, how shall he not freely give us give unto us all things freely unto us?" Listen, y'all. He cares about. And this is what you got to know it. The devil don't want you to know that. He wants you to think you are done. You blew it. There is no hope for you. (laughs) You might as well throw in the towel. Surrender. This is a done deal. But when you think about Jesus and all what he has done for you, man, let me tell you something. God has a plan that is out of this world. Did you hear what I say? His plan is out of this world. Now, we already know that all kids ain't going to hearken to the word of the Lord. The Bible gives everybody a free will. And I know you got kids who did things. The word of God said there's nothing new underneath the sun. People were shooting, stabbing, killing, having a holistic sex when we were teenagers. The same old dirty game, just new players. The game never changes, but it's just new players. And you might have friends and loved ones that you care about, that you really want to see. I, I tell you, one of the things that has become a great joy to me is when I see people get saved that I never imagined would have gotten saved. Man, that, that gives me so much excitement. And I, I just I glorify God even the more I said, wow, God, you are, you're awesome. Because you're saving people who I never thought would get saved. God saves them. So don't you give up on nobody, none of your relatives, none of your family members, because you don't know how God is going to save them. You don't know what he has in store for them, but he has a plan. And we will see it all so often that kids can get caught up in two things. But one thing I will forewarn you as a parent and as a mentor and a leader, when you pull too hard on a person and try to make them do right, be careful that they don't run away from you even further into that thing because we got to make sure. if that's what. Listen, we tell people this all the time when they're young. You got the rest of your life to be an older adult. Enjoy your youth. But they don't understand that. The only thing they know is all of their life, that's all they've been was a youth. And it was always told to do the do's and don'ts. But they say, I can't wait to get grown. <laughs> they just don't understand the do's and the don't goes to a bigger scale. Because once you get grown, the rent man will going to say, your rent is due. Your mortgage is due. Don't be late on your rent. Don't be late at the job. Don't call out too much. Do's and don't doesn't change. They just go to another scale. <laughs> And this is why you want them to learn obedience while they're young. So when they see the do and don't as an adult, they won't lash out at people of authority like their boss or the church member or their pastor. Hello. So you want to train them and let them know that they have to choose, and they're going to make mistakes. Let them make their mistakes. Now, there some mistakes that you don't want them to make. And if you can allow them to avoid those mistakes, you give them information and let them know that there are repercussions repercussion that take place behind certain type of mistakes. Because some mistakes cause people their lives. important case is if you're going to drink and drive, you might kill yourself or someone else. And then if you do live and you kill someone else, you're going to jail. If you carry a gun, You might get killed or you might shoot somebody with a gun by accident or purposely. Your life is over. So there are certain mistakes you never want your kids to learn from. But you want to let them know and sit down and talk with them. Try to keep an open dialogue with them that they can come to you and talk to you about anything. If you can, build a friendship. Don't look at them as, or rather don't have them look at you as the messenger of doom. Oh, I know mom gonna say don't do this, don't do this, or dad to say don't do this. Don't. Let them know why you don't want them to do that. Explain that to them. Because sometimes the only thing they can see is you telling them no, 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 no. But you want to explain to them why we don't do this, because this these are, these are the things that can take place. With all the technology that we have that is at our exposure at this hour, We can pull up things and show our kids reason why they don't want to do certain things. And I can assure you, when they see the results of bad decisions, they won't be so quick to say, oh, but that's the next person. That ain't going to happen to me. What makes you different from the other person?
1: You're no different.
0: It's just the idea that this happened to them, it can also happen to you. So these are the things that we want to learn and teach our people and our kids throughout the time. But well, you have a caller. We have a caller. Yeah, I'm in the caller. You're live
1: on the radio. Hello, brilliant. caller. You're live
0: on the radio. Hello, caller. Who are you? I guess it's me. Is it? No. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah, hello. You. Your oh, it is me. Oh, you can hear me. Yes. All that. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, will threatened me with an email text. Told me that I'm supposed to promote my my CD project. Well, so I said all right. How y'all doing, everybody out there? This is Brother Aaron Williams again. Um, just wanted to you know thank God first of all for the project, Ring your heart. You know it's available on iTunes, google play c d baby you know also available you know um on rev aaron m dot com it was um ten original songs plus a personal testimony you know so I just wanted to make sure that I pushed it out you know we released it um in the in late last year two thousand sixteen but it's been selling like hot cakes. Still looking for a promoter and, um, to get signed, going to Atlanta in the summer. Um, we're singing at a conference next month. We're singing at another conference in September. So um, people are requesting the songs. So something I believe is a blessing. It blessed me to get it out. You know saying i bless. saying? I believe that it will bless you to listen to it, you know, put it in your collection. It is, again, available digitally. Digitally. You know, on CD Baby, iTunes, and Google Play, um, it's ring your heart. That's R E N D your heart, taken out of uh, the Book of Joel, chapter two. Um, that you would ring your heart and not your garment. Um, So thank God for that. Thank God for Will. You know, thanks for the opportunity just to um, put it out there a little bit. You know, over the air. You know, tell a friend, tell your neighbor, tell an enemy, buy a few. You know, give it to someone that you know to listen to it, that likes gospel music. Yeah, um, and I think it'll be a blessing. I really I really thank appreciate you, Will, for the opportunity. Thank God again. Thank God for Reverend Myers. You know, keep doing what y'all
3: guys are doing. Thanks a lot. Amen. A.
0: Appreciate you. Will is there anything else you would like to say? Well, you good, people. Make sure that you guys – That's what I'm talking it. about, boy. That's what I'm talking about. Go
1: ahead. What you say, man?
0: Yeah, I just want to tell everybody, listeners, make sure you see if you can pick up one of Aaron's CD. You'll love him, and you, it will really be a blessing to you, and just let it minister to you. All right, when we was running ball as young men, I never thought Debra A would put out a CD. The boy had music in him. I thought he only knew how to shoot a jump shot. That's all I thought. I'm going to find out not only the boy can shoot a jump shot, he can write songs and sing. So you never know what's in someone. <laughs> you never know, man. And all of you got something that's inside of you that's special. What is it that God put in your spirit to do that seems like it's impossible but you can do it? What is it? Think about that to yourself. What is it that you can do? You need to find that, that niche that's in your body that's in your heart that you can do with your eyes closed. Find what it is and pursue it and develop that thing and let that thing be birth in you because whatever is in you is going to be a blessing to so many other people. And when you find what you can do that you love doing, it's not a job. It's not a hard thing. And check this out. No one can stop you from doing what you was built to do. It's impossible. Only thing they can do is help you get there quicker. Nobody can stop you from what you're built to do. My man Willie, he's doing his thing on the radio, doing his thing. He was meant to do this. It's what you do that you love to do that makes it all the difference. People are going to say things. They might criticize you, find all kinds of reasons to try to shut you down. They'll slander your name. But what you were built to do is what you love to do. I love talking about God. This is what I do. I, ever since I was a young man, I love talking about God. There's nothing in the world other than I love to talk about. The only thing I love talking about God and doing other than this is playing basketball. I love basketball. I like NBA. I like football. I like going places. I like cards. I mean, there's a lot of things about me, but you ask me what is the most thing I enjoy doing? Talking about God. Sharing His Word with other people. I love doing this. I don't need a pulpit to do this. Wherever my feet go is where I would talk about God at. If people ask me about God, I'm quick to talk about God with them. I make time for that. I don't need a pulpit. Sometimes people think you might need a pulpit. That's a lie. Not this boy. Everywhere I go, it's so many people. You're reach so many people without a pulpit, and you need a pulpit. Who needs a pulpit? The technology took off and expanded everything. You don't need a pulpit. What you need is availability. What you need is time to get before God. What you need is time to spend in his presence. That's what you need. And then everything else he added to you. But find that thing that you love to do. If it's music, make music for us. We need to hear more good music. Make all the music you can make. If it's playing an instrument, play the instrument. We need to hear great instrumental things being played. If it's motivating people, motivate people. If it's loving on people, love on people. If it's sharing and giving unto people, give unto people. And so if there's any other caller out there who would like to just come on in and talk with us, we are free. We want to hear what you got to say. If you're on the line, just push star eight and come on in and let us hear what's on your heart because we love God people when they come and share. Everybody got something that they can share. Our topic is talking about what is the difference between the generation before us and our generation right now, and the generation that is coming in the future. Call us, call us. Call on in. Put that pound. I mean, not pound. I'm sorry. Put that star eight and say something. Is there any other caller on the line? Come on in, caller. Come on in. We welcome you to come on in. Star eight. And it will bring you right on in. Share something. It don't have to be long. Whatever you want to say, say it. Am I on? You just, yes, you are.
3: Okay. How do you do, Brother Calvin? I'm doing great, Calvin. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm just listening it on here, listening to you guys. You know, I wanted to just jump in and just, for, uh, just to say a word or two. Concerning hey, all, the kids. my brother. Now, concerning, well, a few things. Concerning uh, what I was hearing about the kids today and trying to to, to share with the kids today to influence them in the right way, I know there's a lot of things, a lot of books and a lot of tapes that people share about how to influence kids to do the right thing and and every generation thinks that the kids that's coming up is either worse or more extreme than the previous generation, but in a sense that's true course times and technology has changed but the truth is they're the same you know i look at the styles today and i post on facebook about and uh, a sort of joking serious sense about uh, i'm going into business selling belts you know I, and i jokingly basically say you know kids don't know about this device it's called a belt it can really work and it can free up your arms that you can put it on and you don't even have to use your arms to pull your pants up every five steps. And I was basically trying to make a point, you know, because some of the styles are very ridiculous to me. But I look back in the, you know, in the 70s, we had our bell bottoms and different high platform shoes and, you know, the music, Today, we think it's super crazy, but I think of when I was growing up, I was listening to Parliament, Funkadelic, singing Psycho Alpha, Disco Beta, Bio, Aqua and that was ridiculous. I'm like, that is crazy. What was I singing? I have no idea. You know, Aqua Boogie. What is that? But every generation, you know, goes on some, um, have some new, it's just new games, and it seems foreign to us, but it's the same line. It's the same story that the the devil plays. And, uh, for instance, the very first family in history, the very first man that was born, the very first human being that was born was a murderer. And who did he kill? Not some strange tribe, not someone from another, uh, another gang, not a blood or a crypt. It was his own brother so sin started off hot and heavy and children the first person who was who came out of a womb was a murderer so it shows that there's nothing new under the sun but besides going into all that the point i wanted to make is we trying to when we trying to get kids to be how we think they should be they will not turn out to how we think they should be. They're gonna turn out how we really are. I think, okay, and I believe that there's biblical um, support for this, kids are gonna come out and open who we are in secret. Like the little saying goes, you can't fake the funk. We have to be real on the inside. A seed, when planted, is going to bear the fruits of the identical nature of what it is. Even if you can dress it up or try to have it pretend it's something else, when it goes in the ground, it's going to come out as its very true nature on the inside. And if we want our kids to be something, we have to be that person, not just tell them that this is what you should do, this is what, do as I do, do as I say but not as I do, that is not going to work. Our kids are going to come out like who we are on the inside. I don't mean every single individual person, but society. When we see kids acting and behaving the way they are in society, that's who we are on the inside. We can't fool God and we can't fake spirituality. It has to be real on the inside. We can't tell kids, don't do this, don't play with that, don't think about that. But secretly, if we are doing it on the inside, it's a spiritual rule. Our kids will reveal who society is. What one generation did in the closet, the next generation is going to do it in the street. So what we have to do, I mean, either physically, literally, or figuratively, we need to get down on our knees and cry and weep and pray for this generation. But not only for them, but we need to say, God, change me. If these kids are reflecting, what are they doing? They're reflecting who we are on the inside or secretly and, you know, God will honor that. Eli, you know, he was told about his kids sleeping with the women in the church and playing, you know, messing around with the offerings and the sacrifice. And he had a little half-hearted talk with them. But clearly it wasn't real because God said, you know, I'm not looking at this scripture, but God basically judged his kids and judged him because he did not take a firm stand against what his kids were doing. Yeah, he spoke to them, but he was making excuses for them. Our boys would be boys, you know, these young boys, this generation today. That was unacceptable. And because of that, God judged him. Even David, even though David repented and and, and the prophet Nathan told David that his life would be spared, the Bible said, the prophet told him the sword shall not depart from his house. And one son raped the daughter, and then Absalom ends up killing Ammon, and Absalom ended up turning on his father. You have to be real on the inside. And when we see what kids are doing in public, that is an indication of what The adults are living secretly in private. And that's where we have to address. We have to address ourselves. The scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And regardless of what you say or pretend, we can learn to be sophisticated and proper externally we learn how to be religious in church and in public. We we know how not to cuss and not to, to act and behave certain ways. But if we are cussing in our hearts, it's not good enough just to not verbally curse your enemy. But we have to actually forgive our enemies and pray for them in our hearts. That's where the battle is. Who you are when you're alone, when nobody else could see where nobody else knows that's who you are and that is what's gonna affect society. And you know what kids are smarter than we think. I don't I think sometimes we, we, we undercut or we we underestimate underestimate children. David was a teenager, sixteen or so years old, fifteen or sixteen years old when he was when he ripped that bear's jaws out and killed that lion. David wasn't a grown battle tested well he was battle tested, but he was he was a kid. But that's when you can have raw faith and know God and trust God for great things. Some of our greatest scientists were were started off brilliant as kids. Kids have power. But they have to be guided into truth by adults who are truly in God, not just saying what to do, but actually doing what to do. I'm not saying there will never be kids that go astray in society, in the home, but I think it's important for us to be real on the inside, in secret. And that's when we'll see a change in society. Like the old saying, you can't fake the funk. <laughs> James Brown, he would call you out if you were missing a beat, if you missed a, a note. It may seem like he's distracted singing, but let one of his uh, his uh, his players have a note. He'll, he'll let them know in a minute. Get him back on track. We have to guard our hearts and, and and live right, not just openly in front of other people, but the the biggest, the biggest battle is with yourself on the inside. You have to think right and do right, and be holy when you are alone. Not just in public and in church. Everyone could fake that, but God is looking at who you are when you are alone, when where no one else knows. You know, this, are you there, my brother? Am I still on? Hello? hello Calvin. okay one, one little thing I don't have the scripture in front of me but in the Old Testament as they were building the temple there's a little scripture about when they were working on the lily work okay and the ceiling now lily work is some woodwork fine woodwork with some fine um, very intricate carvings and so forth and that was in the high near the ceiling of the temple and it was the best craftsman would work, do that work, okay? Now, the irony is that was the most intricate detail artwork done in the ceiling of the temple. And most people who would come to the temple would never actually see the detail of that craftsmanship. So you can almost say, why why even bother with all this great detail and trying to make this perfect when most people will not even see it to appreciate it. But the key is, God sees it. That's his temple. He can see the detail of the woodwork and the high ceilings of the temple because the temple is for him. And the hardest work we can do in our spiritual life will never be seen by other people. The most important, deepest work we can do in our lives, in our souls, in our minds, will never be seen by the casual observer, whether we're in church or wherever, but God sees it. And if God is pleased with it, he will reward you openly. he That's when you have power, when you speak. The Holy Spirit will back up your words. When you witness, you will have fruit. But it's just like the uh, in the book of Acts, when someone's trying to cast out a demon, and the demon says, Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? demon knows you ain't nobody so that person got rebuked and the demon had mastery over him paul we know jesus we know but you we're not afraid of you you have no power we see what you do we know what you're thinking and doing now you're trying to front to cast us out you one of us i'm paraphrasing that of course but anyway, that's that's basically what I wanted to say. It's important that we are right on the inside. You know, it doesn't mean that every preacher's kid is going to be perfect, but you know what? If the preacher or that man of God or that Christian is faking the funk, that kid is seeing what's real and what isn't real, and that's what's going to really count. Not what you say, but what they know about you. They know if you forgive the neighbor, even though the neighbor acted a fool, or they know if you're cussing the neighbor out, saying this neighbor ain't nothing and blah, 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 blah. They learn from that. They learn, okay, it's okay to be nice in public and say the nice thing, but it's okay to cuss the neighbor out in the house or just disparage them. Or do we say, Let's pray for that neighbor, even though he did us wrong. The kids are going to learn about who you really are on the inside. And when we see what's going on in society, it's because the kids in society are doing what the previous generation was. They're doing openly what the previous generation was doing secretly. And the way to change it, We can't fake it. We have to change ourselves on the inside by the help of God. And concerning prayer in school, I remember someone talked about prayer in school. And I heard someone say this a while ago. Who could stop you from praying? If there's three or four true Christian kids in school, who could stop them from on their lunch break deciding to take five or ten minutes to go and pray sincerely to God. God hates legislative prayer. You don't need Congress and the Senate to legislate a moment for prayer while you're praying, you're thinking about, you know, what you're going to do after the class and and the ball game tonight. God hates this formal prayer. He addresses that in Isaiah and a few other places. But if people are real, just like Daniel and his friends, the Scripture says they purpose in their heart beforehand that they would not define themselves with a portion of the king's meat. They didn't have to wait for a law to tell them it's okay to do that. They had made the decision to do what was right beforehand. And I think we don't need a law to pray. If people are serious and they pray, God will move. You know, I, I posted on Facebook yesterday, um, May 26, 77 years ago, the Battle of Dunkirk. That was a um, the Miracle of Dunkirk, it's called. And in 1940, when Hitler and his army were in their marching through Europe, they went through Belgium, they ran through Belgium, and they were already in control of France. And 335,000 British forces were trapped, cornered in Dunkirk, and. They needed to be rescued because they had no, no, no ability to really defeat the Hitler's army with their, you know, their air force and the the tanks and everything, because they had already taken over France and had control of all their weaponry. And King George VI, on May 26, 1940, declared a national day of prayer in England and all of the British Commonwealth. And everyone, he declared a national day of prayer. Winston Churchill was the prime minister then, and they were in trouble. And everyone went to every church, and he, this is the king. He said, we need to reach out to God. You can read it. It's well documented in history. He said they need to reach out to God. And the whole British Empire, everyone went to every church they could get to, and they prayed to God for deliverance. And get this, it's called The Miracle of Dunkirk. Three things happened. The German army was 10 miles away from the British forces, 335 people on a near beach in France with nowhere to go. The German army was 10 miles away, and they said Hitler for reasons still unknown to historians and war historians and uh, his, historians everywhere, reasons still unknown, he overruled his own generals and decided to stop moving forward. They were going to, they would annihilate the British forces. For whatever reason, he decided to overrule them and stop the advance. And in the next three days, the British were able to evacuate. The day after that, there was a storm. This is well documented. This is not just in in scripture. This is documented in literature and English literature all all over the world. The next three days, there was a storm that was so terrible that the, the British... Um, the German Air Force, the Luftwaffe, could not get off the ground because they were 12 miles away, and if, if folks were trying to escape over the British Channel, they would just go and destroy them. So that, that was their backup. If anyone tried to escape, they were going to just destroy them from the air. That was done. They would be done. But a storm came so terrible that the Air Force could not get off the ground. Secondly, the next the area where the on the british channel there was a abnormal calm in the ocean and ships the 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 um, prime minister winston churchill he said every ship commercial ships boats crew luxury boats they evacuated 335 british forces from dunkirk and they live to go back home and join forces with the Allied forces, the U.S. and Allied forces that eventually defeated Hitler and put an end to World War II. But the thing is, the king wasn't too proud. He declared a national day of prayer. And the whole empire prayed. And no one knew why Hitler decided to overrule his general and stop the advance. When you pray, when you humble yourself before God Almighty, things can happen. God could do things that don't make sense. Prayer is powerful. Whether you're at home, alone, with your family, if you get serious with God and pray, God could do things. When you get chance, go Google the, the miracle of Dunkirk, D-U-N-K-I-R-K. You can read it, read about it. It's well documented. They still don't know why Hitler overruled his own general. General Rommel was the one who was in charge of the advance and stopped the advance when they could have destroyed the British forces. Those same forces with allied U.S. forces eventually came and defeated Hitler and put an end to World War II. But God can move when leadership, when the king is not too proud to get on his knees and tell the people, we don't know what to do, let us go to God. And on June 9, 1940, in a few days it will be 77 years, they had a national day of thanksgiving that the entire British Empire, because of the miracle God did, had a national day of thanksgiving, and they all sang Psalms 124 in the churches. I believe it's Psalms 124. In the churches, but you can look it up. Prayer works. Talking to God, getting serious with God still works in every generation, regardless of what society does or says. If people get serious with God Almighty, He will answer. I'm done. I'll just keep going on and on, but I'm done. (laughs)
0: Amen. thanks, Charlie, for that info. Because a lot of time with our young ones, you don't know who they're going to grow up to be. But mm-hmm. we never quit and give up on them. I think it was John P.T. He was addicted to drugs. He had a, a, a drug problem. I don't know if it was cocaine, but he had a strong, bad habit with drugs. And God cleaned him up, fixed him up, and to this day, he sings praises to the Lord in a lot Amen. of great songs. You know we were able to hear that, but the enemy wanted to destroy that man. And his dad was a man of God, sung on the choir, powerful man of God. He lived an example. Some things are strange. We don't know why our kids take the path that they they may take. Sometimes um, it, it, it it's a question. Sometimes of decision making. Every time we make a decision, we change the future. Someone once told me. So we got to be careful in what decisions we make. Some, I I think in many cases, young people may not take their decision-making serious, but every decision you make is very serious. If we don't think it's serious, we need to look at what Eve did and look at the results from that one decision she made, and then Adam made the second decision, and should I say more? Because now we see the results of poor decision-making that how it affects other people's lives. So we don't stop praying for them. We don't quit. We never, ever give up on them. We believe God. Because sometimes, even when we may be gone to glory, that child life can easily change. And for that, we pray that God will give them the wisdom that they need, the understanding to guide them, and uh, the discernment. To direct them into the path they need to take, because it's crucial time. And one of the things that I, I I've learned people is that the devil is doing everything that he can do to keep people distracted, because he knows that he has but a short period of time left exactly. on earth. So he's really working in the in the realm of distraction. And Calvin, I don't know was you on the air when I first started on the air. Was you on the air,
3: son? I came in like five thirty ish. I missed the beginning. I was asleep. Okay. For, forgive me, but I I, I think when I no, came on, fine. Brother Aaron was on. Uh, I think I got in, that's and then fine. finally I was I logged in on the computer first, so I missed the first yeah. part.
0: I, that's fine. When we started off, we started off about Cain and Abel, the same thing you talked about. That's how we started off with mm-hmm.
2: Genesis, the
0: one brother killing the other brother. The first family of the earth, there is no perfect family. You know? no. They've been great family. They've been family of integrity. And even Abraham, God wanted to work through his family. There is no perfect family.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But we know that God shows grace. And I, and I think as a man and as a person, an adult, whoever we may be, God can use a family. He uses family to display his goodness to or towards men he uses family he, he really does a great deal because God loves family
2: God
3: absolutely
0: and created family. This was not a man's ideal, it was not a political ideal, it was not a suggestion <laughs> God orchestrated family and this is why the devil have always targeted family rather through divorce or separation, and just this, this, this manner in family, if you can. Them. Many years ago, I think it was in the 70s, they told the ladies, you can get welfare, but put the man out the house. A home without a leader is a dangerous thing without Absolutely. a male present in the home. The father makes the world of a difference.
3: Absolutely. So
0: I, I thank you, Calvin, for your input, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know Calvin, his name is spelled K-A-L-K-E-L-K-E-L-V-I-N. I'm sorry, K-E-L-V-I-N. He's Calvin. That's how they say right, it. That's right, Cal. He's a mighty man too, God. I thank God for this brother, man. And uh, he comes there on Tuesday. Would you be able to make it there Tuesday when we have our coffee thing?
3: You know, this I'm working this Tuesday, so I'll miss this ah. Tuesday. and. And, you know, this week I'm just slipping out for a day or two. It's my 32nd anniversary, you know, so. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll have to. So I'll catch you next Tuesday.
0: <laughs> man, you and the wife, I'm wishing y'all the best, man. He's a proud father of two babies, went on to college, got their degrees, and made daddy a, grad, a glad pop off of what they accomplished. Him and it's by 32 years. God bless you, Kevin. Yep. Wow, that is amazing, man. That is amazing. God is good.
2: And, and so, me, Will,
0: me. is it... Yes, he is. Will, is there anything you would like to say? Oh, by the way, for those of you who are out there, I want to let you know tomorrow I will be hosting my radio show, uh, show tomorrow at 5 p.m. Tonight is the church radio, but tomorrow... We will be dealing with word of fire tomorrow. Tomorrow will be word of fire. And tomorrow we're going to deal with the topic of the spiritual realm. We're going to be talking about spiritual realm because a lot of times people do not understand the spiritual realm. They know about God. They know about man as a spirit. And they know about demons. But we're going to talk tomorrow and discuss the spiritual realm according to biblical principles, what God's word says about the spiritual realm. Um, Word of Fire will be there tomorrow, and tomorrow, Word of Fire is 143914. And that's how you get in and hit pound. And so if you're going to come on in, it's going to be 5 p.m., Word of Fire. We will be discussing 143914, and you hit pound. And we're going to be talking about the spiritual world. The spirit the spiritual realm, the same thing. We're going to be talking about the spiritual world according to God's principle. We are spiritual beings. God created us spirit. Jesus said they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're going to be going into that tomorrow, and we hope you can join in with us tomorrow, Lord's willing. I thank all of you for being here. Will, is there anything you want to say at this time? Well, Will, is somewhere out there. Probably eating some barbecue legs somewhere, but I just want to say to you, yes, hey, coming. I'm
1: right here. I'm sorry, I was having a conversation that blew my mind, but you already know. God is good, right now, I'm a little bit distraught. Children of this world, oh, people, um, how you doing? Um, back to what we were saying this is church, and one thing about church, you can get delivered if you want to. Um the topic for today, you already know. <laughs> it was a deep one, and I guess we're going to rejoice tonight because we all got something to talk about. What is the difference between our kids from the past, our kids from the present, and the kids of the future, and why? Well, you got a translation of why. You got an understanding of who our kids is. Now you get to look at your kids and figure it out. What you want them to turn into. What you want them to be. You can't force them to be what you want them to be, but you gag on to enough up to talk to them and train them to be what God wants them to be. A child of God. A child of humility. A child with fragrance. What a beautiful aroma. You know, like, where is that? Why has the Roma got to stink? Why do we got to stink? Is there any way we can put on smell good without it being cologne? I got smell good. They're all over the place. You Every time you walk in the air, you smell Jesus. If you have a nose for him. Hello. But <laughs> I'm going too deep because I've seen things that don't make sense. And people say, hold oh, no, up, that dude got to make sense. Ah, uh, well, thank you, but God can. But again, 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 I say, if you have any questions, any comments, or any concerns, email me at DJ underscore chill at my.com. That's DJ underscore chill at my.com. This is Sound City Radio, y'all, and this is church. But I always say it's always about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, and freedom to learn and know. Be real, (laughs) y'all. You better be safe. And I'm telling you now, if you don't know now, you got daggone better believe you better be ready. Because a lot of times I ain't ready. That's why I keep on having church. Mm -mm Mr. Calvin.
0: Yeah. uh, We just want to let everybody know that we love you. And every Monday we're here with uh, Brother Will. We do the church radio. I thank God for my man Calvin. Powerful man. Powerful man. Got a lot of information in him that God has has given him to him. So on that note, I just want to pray us out, and we're going to close in, and we'll see you tomorrow. If you can tune in again, same number. The first number, you know how it is to get into it. It's 724-444-7444. Your pin number will be 143914 pounds to get into it. And then once you get in, you want to hit one pound, and then in order to talk, you want to hit star eight, and you'll be on board to talk. Tomorrow, Word of Fire, will be talking, and we would just, um, we're going to be talking about um, the spiritual world. Amen? So let me just close this out in prayer. Father, we thank you for all the listeners, for the people of God who've heard what was said. God, we thank you for your spirit that destroyed the yoke, your anointing. God, we pray that you will bring back every hearer tomorrow for those who have the availability to listen in, and we pray, God, that you will equip us and build us up with a strong message for your people. We pray that you will continue to bless these people. Again, we pray for the soldiers who risked um, serving our country so gracefully, who risked their lives. Thank you for those who gave their lives, Lord, that we might have the freedom to talk, Lord, and have this free and blessed country that we now live in so gracefully. So God, we pray that you would bless Brother Will, who think it not robbery to have us on his radio station just to share on the church radio station. Who all I might add is the called out one. God, we pray that you would bless everybody this day. Bless our children. Look upon our offspring, our generation who is to come. Move by your spirit upon their life. Bless the works of the hand. Give them wisdom beyond their years. Give them clarity and understanding. All these blessings we pray in Jesus' name to your glory. Amen.
1: God bless
3: you all. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And people, make sure you check out um, Sister Aisha. She has a new way to lose weight. You can lose weight in five pounds. You lose five pounds in five days and actually get paid for doing it. Um, some new tea that they got going on. And you go check her out at totallifechanges.com slash B-A-R-R-E-T-T-I. That's totallifechanges.com slash Until then, I always say out. And the reason why I say out because my translation of out is obviously you talk. So instead of saying out like that, I just end it like this. Who's out?